You have the right to remain silent, but you do also have the right to listen to the Tennis Podcast, the show where every week, either myself or my sidekick host bring a top tennis list on anything from any genre. The other person doesn't know what that list is ahead of time, and they try to guess items 1 through 10 in real time along with you, the folks at home. This week's sidekick host is the returning Dr. Shiloh from the LA Not So Confidential podcast. Dr. Shiloh, how is it? It's going well. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> going well. We've had some audio issues already, but that's uh, par the course for you and I. Yeah, my apologies, because that definitely was my fault for all your listeners last time. And producer, sound editor Nick here did his best <laughs> to clean that up, but it was a little bit of a hot mess. So yeah. we're going to be good today. Don't speak too soon. We'll see. But so far, so good. Uh, Dr. Shiloh, you were on previously almost 25 episodes ago, back on episode 161. We did the best true crime documentaries of 2021. But other than that, you host your own very successful podcast, the LA Not So Confidential podcast. And obviously, you have a deep background in some other stuff too. But I'll, I'll let yeah. you give the intro for yourself, if you don't mind. Tell the folks about you. So I'm a forensic psychologist out of Los Angeles, hence the title LA Not So Confidential. And I do that podcast with my very best friend, Dr. Scott, who is also a forensic psychologist. And so we talk about all things forensic psychology, but tie it into true crime. And it's interesting because we have two totally different backgrounds. He comes from the entertainment world, and then I came from the law enforcement world. So I was a police officer before I was a psychologist. And then today, I continue to work back in that realm as a police psychologist. It's my full-time job. So it's a good time. You know, we, it's serious topics and subjects, but we try to do it in the most lighthearted way. So that's what we do. I've plugged the hell out of your show on my pod. So the listeners have no excuse by this point to have not checked out your show. Highly recommend it. So many interesting topics. I just listened this week to your vintage crime story on the Devil's Gate murders, which I had yeah. not heard before. So really, really interesting stuff. But I'll give you another chance to do a deeper plug for your show later. And of course, I'll have a link to your show in the show notes. But I want to get to the episode because you said something there in your intro that is extremely vital to today's topic. And that is that you used to be Officer Shiloh. Correct. So you probably arrested one or two people in your past, maybe? I certainly have. Yes. Yes. Okay. And when someone's arrested, where does that person go? If they're guilty? If they're guilty. Well, they go yeah. into the back seat of the police car first and foremost. Yes. Okay. Um, they go into handcuffs, then they go into the back of the police car. And you lower their head so they don't hit their head on the... Always. You want to yes. have a nice buffer there for their Are comfort. you guys taught that explicitly, by the way, in training? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. After that, they would go to the local jail for processing. And if it is something in which they have to see a judge, they would stay in jail until they are in front of a judge. Sometimes there are cases where they can be cited out and asked to return to court later. So they get released and have to go back to court. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, they would stay in the local jail, get loaded up on to a bus or some sort of transport and headed to court the next court day, which don't ever get arrested on a Friday night because your ass is going to spend the whole weekend in jail yeah. until court opens up. And God forbid it's a holiday weekend. So just a little tip, you know? Yeah. Get arrested on like a Monday or something like that. The wheels of justice move slow. For sure. For sure. And I, I just, a caveat for your listeners that like with you having your returning guests back again, I know that they've been bringing a lot of lists. And Nick definitely gave me the option. Do you want to bring a list or not? And I said, fuck, no, I'm not doing your work for you. So <laughs> Nick has brought Thank the list you. again. <laughs> yes. No, I always love the guest psychic hosts that do nothing and just make me do everything. It's great. It, it, yeah. it makes me feel more at home with my first 160 episodes with Brandon. Right. You outlined the process for someone that gets arrested and the worst case scenario for that person mm -hmm. is to be sentenced to prison time. Correct. That's what we're talking about today is the countries with the highest rate of incarceration. Oh, countries. I like it. All right. Do you feel comfortable with that topic? Like, do you think you'll do okay? I think I'm going to do okay because I definitely know the ones who have the lowest rate of incarceration. Um, and so highest are coming to mind and I think we can fill it in. So my sources today, I have quite a few. World Population Review, 
usnews.com, statista.com, prisonstudies.org, which is where the list really comes from, and then I filled in some gaps with Wikipedia as well. But it's important to note that, well, in fact, I'll just read this little blurb from one of my sources. Incarceration is the state of being confined in prison, typically as punishment for a crime. Every country in the world has a prison system of some sort, though the exact nature of that system, as well as the number of prisoners incarcerated within it, varies tremendously, as we'll see, from country to country. Since the year 2000, the world's prison population has matched the growth of the overall population, increasing by 24%, according to the World Prison Brief, or WPB, an online database hosted by the Institute for Criminal Policy Research at the University of London. That's who has supplied the list today. Yet just five countries account for more than half of the world's estimated 10.75 million people being held in penal institutions. Wow. I'll share those later, those five countries. So what you're actually guessing today, though, is the highest prison population rate. Got it. Okay. Per 100,000 population, what rate of those 100,000 population people are in prison currently? Okay. I'm jotting down some notes of who it isn't and who I think it is, so... I'll give you and the listeners a quick heads up that it's a lot of, how do I say this nicely? The list is mostly made up of not superpower countries. Uh-huh. A lot uh-huh. of kind of, I don't know, developing countries, we'll call them. Right. Poor countries that probably have high crime rates because of that. Yeah. And there, there's a few that aren't that, but most are that. And yeah. number one, who I'm sure you know who number one is, oh, please. is developed, very much developed. <laughs> Although maybe going backwards, according to some people. <laughs> For sure. (laughs) Well, definitely, I'm going to say there are probably no Scandinavian countries on this list. They're probably pretty damn low. Yeah, pretty sure. And are there any others that you know for a fact aren't going to be on here? No, those are definitely all the ones that stand out to me. And if you want to be in prison somewhere, definitely it's like Denmark or Norway or something like that because their prisons are amazing. They have a lot of amenities, and it's all about rehabilitation rather than the shitholes you find in North America and, you know, some other places. It's so interesting, right? Yeah. Do you watch Parks and Rec at all? I have. I have. Okay. Well, very quickly, some listeners might remember, there's a scene where they're in jail at the neighbor town of Eagleton, and the the prison there, or the jailhouse there, is basically like a spa where you're getting, like, treatment done and stuff. Nice. That's kind of how I imagine the Denmarks of the world. Yeah. You get like your own personal trainer. Is that real? No, that's totally real. Yeah. Yeah. How's the food? Uh, You know, some people would say they don't really like uh, Scandinavian food too much. A lot of pickled fish. So I guess if you're from there, it's probably decent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, before we really dive in, I'd love just kind of a high level overview and insight to like, you know, how many years you spent as an officer. Mm Mm-hmm. And your history, relationship, and emotions in arresting people, like if you're willing to get candid on that. Yeah, of course. So I come from a law enforcement family. My mom, dad, and stepdad were all law enforcement officers. They were sheriff's deputies at the county level. For that reason, I really didn't see that as something that I was going to do. I I think a lot of us want to kind of do something bigger and better than our parents did, right? So I was really looking at law enforcement as something that was interesting to me, but investigations really felt like that was more of my calling. Mm -hmm. But funny how life happens. When I was an undergrad in college, I got a job as a police cadet at my local police department just to see what it was like from the inside out. And I was majoring in criminal justice and psychology simultaneously. And I was just all criminal justice. Like I was president of the student association and (laughs) definitely had my eyes on that. Why am I not surprised? I know, right? I started looking towards federal law enforcement. And for that, you actually had to have four years of experience as well as the degree. So I went to my captain at the police department where I was working and said, if I put in for officer, would you guys hire me? And he was very pro female police officers for the small department that we had, Mm -hmm. which was only 60 sworn officers. We had the highest rates of female officers there. And he said, absolutely, we're going to invest in you. So give me four good years. And I thought, great, because that's all I need. Mm -hmm. And I was off to the academy. So I ended up staying seven years because I went back to school, decided to get my doctorate in forensic psychology. Yep. In seven years, I worked in 
a smallish town in Los Angeles County, a pretty quiet town, like a nice area. It was very diverse in the sense that I could be on the South End answering calls at a trailer park, talking Mm -hmm. to individuals who are struggling with mental health issues, struggling with economic issues, struggling with addiction. And then I could be up on the north side talking to the professional baseball player that lived in our city. You know, there was just, Mm -hmm. which was, I thought was wonderful to have that diversity because it really taught me how to talk to people and how to be able to toggle back and forth and really get a good spectrum to be able to see everybody as human beings, no matter. And honestly, being a new law enforcement officer in a place like Los Angeles, Los Angeles area. Yeah. You're going to get a huge amount of diversity there in terms of people, crime, et cetera, as compared to like, you know, some places in middle America, for example. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And we were also a city that has a major freeway that runs through it. So you would have people coming from other areas that would stop off in our city to do crime. Serial killers too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Serial killers too, truckers, you know. We had a 24-hour Walmart, which was like a freaking cesspool. Weird. The Walmarts here are very nice and luxurious. I'm surprised they're bad anyway. Oh, really? Ooh. No. (laughs) Did not picture that in Oklahoma. (laughs) But I worked all weekend nights, really, for the majority of my career. Mm -hmm. And that's when stuff happens. And I was involved in two officer-involved shootings. Man. Which I want to say the entire time I was there, there were only three at my department. And two of them ended up being mine. Wow. You know, so some really critical traumatic incidents that have shaped how I've gone into psychological work as well as now working directly as a police psychologist. Yeah. Talk about experience that has really helped you out in your current, not, not, and on a, on a less serious note, also as a podcaster, it's like perfect fodder for like a podcasting career. Yeah. It's been really fulfilling in the job that I'm in. It's been great, you know, to be able to connect with folks and do some of the trauma work, some of the debriefing work. But yeah, going back to just kind of interacting with people who commit crimes, you learn very quickly that everyone has so many different factors, so many different stories and experiences that lead to why they did what they did that day. Mm -hmm. And this is probably why I went on to be a psychologist. But if I could have a conversation and learn from them from the whole time that I'm driving them back to the station or in the jail. You know, I, I would love to really engage in those conversations with folks as well as with victims and everyone else that it's impacting. So it was a wonderful experience, you know, some scary stuff for sure, but I yeah. would not take it back for the world because it's shaped who I am today. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And thanks for sharing that. Sure. And I think it's going to come in handy today because you have some firsthand experience with dealing with people going to jail, potentially going to jail, going to prison, sentencing, etc. So with all that in mind, I'm going to share a quick fun fact here that since you're guessing the top 10 rates, the top five countries based on just raw numbers are the United States, China, Brazil, India, Russia. Only one of those five are actually in the top 10 you're going to guess today. But those five countries account for more than half of all prisoners in the entire world. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Dang it. I thought Brazil was going to be such a good guess. (laughs) No. There is some Latin America in here, but no Brazil. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Oof. All right. When you're ready, go ahead. some stuff. I'm, I'm here. Okay. So with that, I'm going to guess India. And, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Tell me if it's there. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a good guess. <laughs> India was actually one of those five I named off. That, oh, it was? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Give me those five again. Brazil, Russia, India, China. And US. And US. United States. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. So let's look back at South America since you said there mm-hmm. was a country there on the list. Although maybe it's a more Central America, actually. Is it? Okay. This is not a geography. Think about a country that U.S. has a checkered past with. It's below Mexico. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, actually, oh man, I should know this. It might be kind of parallel with Mexico. Is it Nicaragua? No. Okay. Colombia. No. What the? What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Sorry, you, wait a minute. Hang on. Did you make all this up earlier about all your many years of experience in law enforcement? You're throwing in something that is worldwide and obviously going off numbers that are skewed because you rattled off a bunch that were on my list and apparently they're not. Okay. I do want to stick with South America because we're here. Okay. So not Nicaragua, not Colombia. You said checkered past with the United States? Yep. Think about Kennedy. And I, I don't think this is actually South America. I think it's... Um, Are you talking Cuba? I am talking Cuba. What is that? <laughs> is that North America? I'm looking it up. Cuba is on its own. Okay. It's just part of the Americas or the Western Hemisphere. But okay, man, I was going to like... <laughs> We're going to do all this all again. No, no, no. Cuba, it's its own country. It's not part of any North or South America. We have so many Cuban listeners and I appreciate you listening, but Cuba is number six in the top 10. Six, got it. And that's because per 100,000 citizens, 510 are in prison. Oh my goodness. How does that number strike you? 510 out of 100,000. Well, they're number six, so obviously there's got to be worse and they're kind of in the median there. But, you know, you think of Cuba as such a, I remember going on a cruise in the Caribbean and This was a long, long time ago, obviously, before things were opened back up where there could be some travel back and forth. But I remember it was really like, don't even look at Cuba. We're passing Cuba, but don't look at it. (laughs) Don't even look at the island of Cuba. Don't even like look off your balcony that way. (laughs) It's so stupid. But I'm glad most of that seems to be in our rearview mirror. However, even despite the most confrontational of times between the United States and Cuba, we're still eating the hell out of those Cuban sandwiches. Yes, right? we are. Oh, yum. Yes. Yeah, I love a good Cuban. Yeah. Well, Cuba, it's number six. And as of the latest data, and again, this comes from the World Prison Brief, according to them, they have 57,000 prisoners incarcerated right now. Most countries will report a breakdown of how many male and how many female prisoners. Cuba does not, though. Hmm. And that's another thing. Like, these communist countries and yeah. countries like that, sometimes you got to take their reporting with a grain of salt. Although, to be fair, you could say that about probably any country. Like, who knows about even the United States reporting? I don't know. But well, mm, I would do. venture to say there's a lot more checks and balances for that. And sure. it's a moneymaker here. So I'm sure we know the numbers very, very well. Yeah. Let me tell you about Cuba, some hashtag fun facts. Cuba has currently one of the world's only planned economies, and its economy is dominated by the tourism industry. And Cuba has historically, both before and during communist rule, performed better than other countries in the region on several socioeconomic indicators, such as literacy, infant mortality, and life expectancy. So Cuba has pretty good history when it comes to that. But it's a single-party authoritarian regime where political opposition is not permitted There are elections in Cuba, but they are not considered democratic. Censorship of information, including limits to internet access, is extensive, and independent journalism is repressed in Cuba. And Reporters Without Borders has characterized Cuba as one of the worst countries in the world for free press. Hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of their prisons right now, and they also don't look very much like a place you would want to stay. Yeah. That's a good idea, looking up the pictures of these Yeah, looking up the uh, accommodations. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that they don't even tell us the numbers of men versus women, you know, you wonder what the facilities are like. Are they even throwing them all in together? Are their needs being cared for? The specialties that they each need? It's really interesting. It's hard to imagine that it's that great there as a prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't we talk about prisons last time I was here when we were talking about the uh, university scandal? That's right, because you shared, I think, that you have coached people that are going to prison. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I've, I've worked with pretrial offenders and I've also, a majority of my work in forensic psychology was actually with post-incarcerated persons. But yeah, I've got people in that mindset to go into prison here in the United States, mostly federal prisons. Federal is better than state? Federal is better than state, yeah. yes. If yeah. you had to go to one. So yes. I've never been to prison. I don't think you've ever been a prisoner either. Is that just want to make sure you've never been to prison for anything? I've never been to prison. I was arrested as a juvenile, which I've talked about on the podcast. (laughs) So it's not like breaking news here. But 
Yes, I got released to my very, very upset law enforcement mother. <laughs> That's right, because your mother was... Yeah. It was a nightmare. It was worse than probably prison. Oh, man, I have so many questions, but let's <laughs> sidebar that. Okay. I've never been to prison. I've never been arrested. I have set foot inside of prisons, both state and federal, but I have not been there incarcerated myself. Well, my question is like, you know, in all the movies and stuff, you always see prison as like, you're going to be sexually assaulted. You're going to be mm -hmm. beat up. You need to establish yourself as not a pushover right at the beginning. How accurate is all of that advice in 2022 for someone going to your average federal prison? From the offenders and former federal prisoners that I've worked with, that is definitely less so in the prison system for sure. So I worked predominantly with sex offenders. And they had the roughest time of anyone in yeah, prison, yeah. as you can imagine, right? And, and everything we hear about that is, is absolutely true. Like I've had clients who had had their bed set on fire, oh, Jesus, have had the shit beat out of them, that sometimes we worked with them if they weren't going to be there in that long of time, you know, maybe a little over a year, because generally prison means you're there for your sentences a year or longer. Otherwise, yeah. they just keep you in jail. But we would work on cover stories if they wanted to do that. Like if they wanted to come up with another federal crime to be able to tell people, this is why I'm here. Yeah. And that's their choice. That's not something I lead them to do. Like that, that's certainly their choice and the risk that they take because there are some shady prison guards that can certainly get your paperwork in front of other inmates. And if you're lying and you get found out, it's even worse. Man, you're stressing me out and I'm not even going to prison. Yeah. Still, there's a lot of presence of gangs in federal prisons, but the federal prison system does a really good job of delineating by seriousness of crime and sentence. And then they have the top of the top, the supermax prisons, all the way down to what's called a camp, which is basically an open, like there are no gates or walls around it. It's kind of an open campus, but the people there aren't going to risk running away because their sentence is so light that they would then get tossed back in at a higher right. security facility. So are those like your embezzlers and like nonviolent crimes sort of? Yeah. Yeah. Would be there? Pretty okay. much. But as long as this, because you can have an embezzler that's embezzled a lot of shit and then now mm -hmm. has 10 year sentence or something like that. That guy might want to escape rather than staying there for 10 years. So yeah, he would probably start higher up and then work down to a camp when he's close to getting out. And they do that on purpose because why are they going to ruin that if they're close to getting out? Yeah. So again, overall, just the federal system is better. Federal system has more money, more resources. That can come down to what is offered to each prisoner, but that can also come down to what is the facility like? Does it have cameras that capture every angle so people can feel safe? Yeah. Is it old? Like how many people are rooming together? But I would say, I know it's a female prison, but I would say if someone wants a good idea of what it's like, the orange is the new black, totally got it right. So yeah, it's pretty close. I watched the first two seasons of that show and that, that was the most interesting element of the whole show is just that like acclimating to the culture of prison. Yeah. And, you know, hearing you talk about all those things, I'm a stressed, anxious person anyway. So like thinking about the paranoia of like always looking behind me, like, am I going to get the shit beat out of me today? Yeah. It stresses me out, but... I'd never get any sleep and I love my sleep. I get eight hours yeah. every night and I would just, I don't know. And be I'd be so mess. paranoid that I'd have to bunk with someone too. I want to sleep by myself in my own cell. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Sorry. It's no. Whether it's Carlton, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in Denmark. <laughs> Maybe in Denmark. Yes, you'll get a little chocolate on your pillow and everything. <laughs> chocolate. It's funny. You know, I was fired at age 16 for stealing a chocolate bar from the grocery oh, store I worked at. Oh my goodness. And so I'd probably be at the... I did hear about that. Buster ratted you out on his That's last right. episode. Yeah. So maybe I'd be at the medium security prison for that one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're lucky you didn't go to jail. You would have been there with me. <laughs> 16. Uh, were you 16? 16 or 17. Yeah. yeah something like right that. Right around there for me. Yeah. I stole a pair of underwear from JCPenney's just to oh, put that on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So I have not stolen underwear, but I've stolen plenty of candy bars. Got but it. that stopped when I got caught. Well, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Gosh, I hope you didn't say this in your ones that weren't on there. Is Mexico on there? No. No, I, I was kind of thinking them too, but they're not in the top 10. My goodness. All right. I love this. Just busting myths all over the place. Okay. 
let's stay down uh, Cuba-ish part of the world. I'm not going to make the mistake of calling it South American again, but... Well, so Puerto Rico? No. Dominican Republic? No. No. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to move on. I'm going to try and think outside the box here. What about North Korea? Probably, but they don't report their numbers. Right? Yeah. Okay. um, Oof. Are there Asian countries on the list? Yes. So there's one Asian country, very large Asian country that's number 10. In fact, it is the second largest economy in this part of the world. Oh my gosh. I didn't know it was going to be a, a list about economics and geography, but that's cool. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is what you get when you make me bring the list again. I'm going to stump you. It's like telling a kid to do the dishes and then they break the dishes and they don't have to do it again. I'm learning my lesson right now for sure. I'm bringing the list next time. Yeah, I don't let my kid get anywhere fucking near my dishes. <laughs> Gosh. It's a popular tourist spot. Popular food in America as well. Oh, Thailand. Thailand is number 10. Really? Tell me about that. Okay. So their rate per 100,000 population is 411. If you remember, number six was 510, which was Cuba. Okay. So Thailand, number 10, it has 312,000 prisoners. Now we do have a breakdown between male and female prisoners here. And this is the highest proportion of female prisoners in the top 10. 12% in the country are Whoa. female. Okay. 88% of all prisoners in Thailand are male. And everything else in the top 10 is 93% or higher male, which is so fascinating to me that men are arrested and imprisoned at such a greater rate than women. Yeah. I'm sure there's all kinds of reasons for that. Probably, yeah. you know, men are, let's just call it what it is. I mean, they're more kind of naturally aggressive. And, totally. Yeah. So Thailand has experienced multiple coups and military dictatorships, but since 2019, it has been a nominally a parliamentary constitutional monarchy. In practice, however, structural advantages in the constitution have ensured the military's hold on power. And although Thailand ranks high in the human development index, which means, you know, you can live a long life there, healthy, good economics there, you can have a high quality of life. Despite all that, it is criticized for many for its human rights. I, I believe uh, homosexuality is still illegal there, yeah. among other things. So Thailand's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, super interesting. That makes sense now. And, you know, we always think about, and this is like our egocentric point of view, these sort of stories and movies and there's shows about being locked up abroad too, right? So oh, when you're an American and being locked up somewhere else how horrific that can be. And so that's something that's coming to mind for me with Thailand. And a lot of these destinations, I think, for Americans, it's always like, just don't be smuggling drugs in or out of there because that'll lock you up for a very, very long time. Don't risk that shit. That is one of like the worst nightmares to be like, imagine being stuck in a Russian prison, like during the Russian war right now with uh, Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Who knows? I just saw that the female basketball player that's over there right now, she's, I think they're going to start having her trial Ugh, soon. A I trial know. in Russia just sounds right. like such a farce. But Right. Well, like things are not great with Russia and anyone else right now. So, no. poor thing. I mean, it's just awful. So, okay. So, that was the only Asian country on the list? Did you say that or no? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. There's one that's kind of in that Eurasia area. Okay. I think about that. The rest of these, I think, are going to be hard. I'll just be honest. Okay. A lot of Middle Eastern countries? One Middle Eastern. There's two or three that are like very small countries that are only on this list because of the percentage ratio of 100,000. I don't think you'll ever guess those without help. Okay. Okay. This one is in Central America. Oh, okay. There is a Central America one. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And then number one is the big one. Okay. So, Middle East, I'm going to go with Turkey. No, but very close to Turkey, and it sounds like Turkey. Turkestan. (laughs) Shame on you, Dr. Shiloh. All of our Turkmenistan listeners from both of our shows currently unsubscribing. Oh, no, the the audio just just glitched out on that one syllable. (laughs) Turkmenistan. Oh, so close. I support the listeners of Turkmenistan and I do not support, however, their high rate of incarceration, which put them at number three with 576 prisoners per 100,000 people 
for 30,000 prisoners total. Whoa. Yeah. Is that right next to Turkey? Are you looking at a map? <laughs> I think it either shares a border with Turkey or pretty close. Okay. But I might be fucking making an ass out of myself. We're going to find out here. Okay, so Turkey is like two countries to the west, and there's Got also it. the Caspian <laughs> Sea dividing it. Turkmenistan is right above Afghanistan and Iran. Okay. I got to bring and up And below map. Kazakhstan, home of Borat. Got it. I keep asking you, I just need to bring up a map here so I can look at it. Well, that's this. one idea. You could <laughs> that consider would be that for sure. Super, super helpful as you're like, well, it's sort of parallel with this part of the world. <laughs> helpful. Okay. Yes. Okay. And in fact, all of my listeners, I encourage you, pull up a map and let's educate ourselves let's on do this. geography. Right. Turkmenistan is 94% male populated prison, 6% female. Okay. And again, like, I don't think anyone's surprised there's a higher percentage of male, but I am surprised that all these countries are like so skewed toward male. I thought it'd be yeah. more like 70, 30 or something, but. Yeah. According to Human Rights Watch, it remains one of the world's most repressive countries. The country is virtually closed to independent scrutiny, media, and religious freedoms and are subject to draconian restrictions and human rights defenders and other activists face the constant threat of government reprisal. However, in good news, the death penalty was abolished in 2008. Oh, well. So that's progress. It's got some progress on some of our states. Wow. Okay. What about Jamaica? So no Jamaica, but no there Jamaica. is some... Uh... Haiti. No. But countries that might compete with Jamaica and Haiti for tourism dollars. Okay. So, wasn't Haiti, wasn't Puerto Rico, not Jamaica, not the Dominican Republic. You're looking at a map now, aren't you? I am looking at a map, even though, like I said, I've been down to that area. I can't imagine like the, you know, St. Martin's and... No, no. Those Virgin Islands are part of that. Uh, are you sure? <sighs> what about Barbados? No, but you did mention the Virgin Islands. Yeah. Which, is Barbados one of those? I don't know. I don't think it is. Man, we are really struggling today, geography. Are we really close? Jesus. So, the Virgin Islands, both the British and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, okay. Wow. Are separately both on this list. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, what numbers are those? And it's kind of unfair. Like, I almost didn't want to do that just because they're populate. Like, the total population in the British Virgin Islands is 30,000 people. Yeah, exactly. But they have such a high rate, though. They're the, se the British Virgin Islands are the seventh highest incarceration state with 477 prisoners per 100,000 people. But, Dr. Shiloh, that only comes to 143 prisoners. <sighs> yeah, that's wild. I mean, okay. All right, I get it. I wonder what their prisons are like. U.S. is at number what? U.S. So that was British is seven, and U.S. is... Probably around there, right? Oh, mm -hmm. no, you know what? U.S. is right out of the top ten. Okay. Sorry about that. But there is another kind of American territorial island in the top ten. Got it. So do you have the islands that make up the British Virgin Islands? Yeah, maybe. I definitely have that already pulled up, and I'm not going to oh. have to look it up right now. For sure. I totally am just getting my, my spot here in the notes that I already have this pre-written. <laughs> Virgin Gorda. Beef Island. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a girl I dated once. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's uh, Tortola, Anagata, Virgin Gorda, and Just Van Dyke, and 32 smaller islands. Marina Kay. Yeah, I don't know any of these, really. I'm much yeah. more familiar with the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Okay. Well, sorry. But yeah, they, this was an interesting case because the crime here in the British Virgin Islands is comparatively low by Caribbean standards. And homicides are rare too, with just one recorded homicide per year on average. Oh, well, that's good for tourism. The British and U.S. Virgin Islands sit at the axis of a major drugs transshipment point between Latin America and the continental U.S., in fact, the American Drug Enforcement Administration regards the adjacent U.S. territories of Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands as a high-intensity drug trafficking area. So there's a cooperation agreement between the British and U.S. Virgin Islands and America DEA to pursue suspected drug traffickers. Hmm. Okay. So they get a little bit of territory over there to intercept and run their investigations. That's they kind of have a, a long leash, I think, too. Yeah. And I imagine that they're all for it since 
tourism is their main source of income, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. That the more they can keep that out of there, then it's not going to scare away the tourists and the cruise ships and all of that. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. British Virgin Islands. There's another hmm. island that's an American territory, and it's not the U.S. Virgin. It's on the west side of the U.S., so the Pacific. Oh. Um. <laughs> you look so surprised. Okay. All that I know that's out there is Tahiti. No. But there is a island that has the same name as this island, but without the word American in front of it. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Samoa, an American Samoa. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Got that it. was right on the tip of your tongue, right? Yep. Yep. American Samoa is number five. But just like the British Virgin Islands, the population is so small, 46,000 people. But their rate is so high, 538 per 100,000 people, which is 193 prisoners total, 96% male. Oh my gosh. So again, I, I almost didn't include them in this because like who would ever guess that? But here we are. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But okay. I have one fun fact about this. Did you know that people born in American Samoa, it's the only major territory in the US in which citizenship is not granted at birth and people born here are considered non-citizen nationals? No, I did not know that. Huh. Like, why? Why are we not? I know. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Like, come on. Because if you're born in like Guam or Puerto Rico, well, I don't know about Puerto Rico. I assume that you're an American citizen. Yeah. It can't be that many people that we have to be a gatekeeper yeah. of that. Come on. Okay. And where did America Samoa fall on the list? Five. So let's do a quick recap. We got 10 yeah. Thailand. You're missing nine and eight. Seven is the British Virgin Islands. Six is Cuba. Five is American Samoa. You're missing four. Three is Turkmenistan, or Turkestan, as you called it. <laughs> you're missing two, and you're missing one. Okay, so I have another guess. I'm going to go, and this guess is just purely off of how prevalent the crime, especially in the southern United States, and especially Southern California, is from gangs who come from this country, but it's El Salvador. El Salvador is on here. It's number yes. four. Okay. Good work, Dr. Shiloh. Whew, a lot of deduction happening there. Part of my notes there is about the gangs yep. in this part of the world. And other than Thailand, this is the second highest female breakdown that we've covered. 7% female prisoners. There's 37,000 total prisoners in this country with a rate per 100,000 of 564. El Salvador has a uh, unique, complex history. From the late 19th to the mid-20th century, El Salvador endured chronic political and economic instability characterized by coups, revolts, and a succession of authoritarian rulers. Mm -hmm. Persistent socioeconomic inequality and civil unrest culminated in the Salvadoran Civil War from 1979 to 1992. That's a long civil war. That's like almost 15 years. It was fought between the military-led government backed by the United States and a coalition of left-wing guerrilla groups. But since the early 21st century, El Salvador has experienced high crime rates, including gang-related crimes and juvenile delinquency. It had the highest murder rate in the entire world as of 2012, although it is experiencing a decline now. Last note here is that the year 2015, so just a few years ago, is considered the most violent year in El Salvador in the post-war history with an average of 18 murders per day. Oh my God. Well, I think we're seeing a pattern here that if you don't treat your people well, mm -hmm. that they end up maybe having to resort to criminal behavior, probably just to function and to live. Yeah. But also, I'm guessing the systems are um, probably pretty harsh, pretty skewed, pretty corrupt. Right. Which would all, I'm sure, contribute to these high rates. Well, I know we have the same problem in the U.S., I mean, to varying degrees, but like, uh, I think it was Denmark, you said, in countries like that, mm -hmm. their prison system is much more built on rehabilitation, Absolutely. keep you out of prison in the future. And in a lot of countries, including El Salvador, it's more about just punishing you and then yeah. making your life miserable. And then when you get out, you have no resources and nowhere to go and you have trouble getting a job. So sure. sometimes you have no choice but to turn to crime. Right, right. Which is sad. And then we have, like what we do have with El Salvador is these major criminal organizations start to form and you have them coming up through Mexico and into the United States to take advantage of some of those criminal opportunities, if you will. 
Yes, the criminal career advancement opportunities available in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, so it is sad, but it's the harsh truth, the harsh reality. And uh, there was a note somewhere that said, like, El Salvador, people from El Salvador were one of the top immigrant groups in the United States at one time, because people were just Mm. flooding from that area during and after that civil war I mentioned, which ended in 1992. Yeah. So, uh, El Salvador has had L better times. Oh, They certainly have. And yeah, the MS-13 gang is definitely one of the most Mm. horrendous. Um, horrendously violent gangs out there. So they're operating in the U.S. Yeah, very much so, and a huge presence in Southern California. <laughs> I remember once I told my husband, "Oh, I found this amazing taco spot. It was a Oaxacan Mexican restaurant in L.A." Oh, I'm there. Little hole in the wall, so good. And we park on the street, and there's big like MS-13 graffiti on the side of the wall, and he's like, "Awesome." Thanks. Like, yeah. And you still ate there, though, right? We still ate there. Oh, I've gone there by myself. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. No, those little hole in the wall taco places or hole in the wall any place. Like, I seek those out. You mentioned your husband there. He's in law enforcement as well, right? Yeah. 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 He's a police officer. He's a lieutenant. Once he get on his tacos, what's his go to taco? What's his go to? Well, we're pescatarian now. So a lot of fish tacos, a lot of vegetable Mm. or potato tacos, but still good stuff. Yes. Especially here in SoCal, like, can't beat the Mexican food yeah, here. Yeah, you guys are at the Mecca there. Yeah. Yeah. Although, surprisingly, Oklahoma is well known for its kind of Mexican food as well. I mean, is probably it? not on SoCal level. And right. I don't think Oklahoma's on SoCal level in anything, in any genre <laughs> of any food, of any activity period. Oh. But I hear the podcasters they turn out are pretty good, so. Oh, really? I've heard the opposite. <laughs> My experience has also been the opposite. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right. Next time we'll do a list about tacos. Yes, I would love that. And let's break it up here real quick. I have a few more fun facts for you. In the entire world, Hong Kong has the highest percentage of female prisoners in their prison population at 20%. Fascinating. So yeah, even in the entire world, there is no country with higher than 20% Hmm. proportion of female prisoners. Well, we might be there soon in the United States. We'll see what we can lock up women for. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you and I are recording this, I think, less than a week after the Supreme Court reversed the established law of abortion being a right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if the people of America start fighting back too bad, they might have to uh, put on their big authoritarian government pants and start arresting people that yeah. are protesting, I among mean, other things. Another couple years and you might have to ask my husband if he would allow for me to be your co-host at some point, you know, the way things are going. So we'll you see. joke, but who the fuck knows? It's very Handmaid's Tale. I know. We're heading that way. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we have plenty else to get depressed about here sure. soon, so I won't dig us through there. But I'll say that the lowest rate, prison rate, incarceration rate among those reporting, because some don't like North Korea are mostly European and African countries. And among countries with any substantial population, the country of Congo has the lowest incarceration rate in the world, 27 prisoners per 100,000. Wow, that's very, very interesting facts there. And I'm sorry, remind me where El Salvador fell on this list? Four. Four, okay. So we still need one and two, okay. And for that part of the world, are we done or no? Uh, so we have one country in Central Africa. Oh, geez. Okay. We have another country in the Pacific. Okay. Small one, you'll never guess. And then we have one that you could guess. It's between Central and South America. Okay. In fact, it links the two, if that, that's a big hint. Oh, Panama. Panama. Yeah? Panama is number eight. Okay. Those canal workers. That's right. Rowdy bunch. <laughs> They're smuggling all those tacos through the border. God bless them. Panama's number eight. There's 462 prisoners per 100,000 people, 18,000 total prisoners, 95% male. And since the end of Manuel Norega's military dictatorship in 1989, Panama has successfully completed five peaceful transfers of power to opposing political factions. In fact, the United States cooperates with the Panamanian Panamanian government in promoting economic, political, security, and social development through the U.S. and international agencies, and cultural ties between the U.S. and Panama are strong, with many Panama citizens going to the United States for higher education and advanced training. 
Panama and the U.S. are very friendly right now, mm -hmm. but both of those countries, you have a pretty good chance of getting locked up <laughs> compared <Yeah>. to other countries. <laughs> right, right. This is just making me super curious, like whenever I do a topic on anything, but of what the types of crimes are that people tend to get arrested for in these different areas. You just wonder how that varies from country to country and region yeah. to region. Somewhere like Panama, you know, it's connecting Central and South America. So I hate to say it, but it's probably a lot of drug-related offenses. For sure. Oh, I, I'm sure. Can you give me a hint on number nine? So we haven't done nine yet, right? Number nine is an island country in the Western Pacific and has 340 islands. <laughs> Population is only 18,000. Mm. It's pa Palau? Palau? Okay. <laughs> Okay, me as if Got it's it. not. No, no, no. I'm just all right. I would not have gotten that, so I'm with you. Yeah, you you hate Palau. I know. There's 428 prisoners per 100,000 people. Just 94 prisoners in the whole country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, it counts. I know you want to discount them as humans in this planet, but they live there too. Dr. That's Shiloh. like one pod in the Los Angeles County Jail. <laughs> it's just insane to me right now. It is funny when you think about it that way. Politically, Palau is a presidential republic in free association with the U.S., which provides defense funding and access to social services, and it is now seen as a key example of the successes of modern state building, and it has since successfully transitioned peacefully from colonial rule to full admission to the United Nations. So they are a growing, advancing, politically well-situated country. Very good. Well, yeah. let's hope they continue to be progressive and... We'll see. Keep their prisoner count under 100. Yeah, yeah. So you just need two and one. Two There's and one. There's a lot of meat on the bone on one. So we'll try to save that for last. Number two That's is good. Central African country. Mm. The total country population is young and predominantly rural, with one of the youngest populations of the world, with the average age being 19. The United States, the average age is 38 by comparison. Huh. This is tough. You're going to have to give it. I mean, I don't want to just rattle off every country. Yeah, or you don't? You, why don't we just start at the top left? So Morocco, Nay. yes or no? <laughs> Nay. Algeria, yes or no? <laughs> Libya, yes or no? Okay, we just got 100 more to go. All right, sounds good. It's Rwanda. Oh, okay. Huh. Rwanda, the second highest incarceration rate in the world. For every 100,000 citizens, there's 580 people in prison, which comes to 71,000 prisoners. This is 93% male, so a little more female-dominated, relatively speaking. The government has enacted laws criminalizing genocide ideology, which can include intimidation, defamatory speeches, and genocide denial and mocking of victims. There's been a lot of genocide in this part of the world. Yes, there has. According to Human Rights Watch, these laws effectively make Rwanda a one-party state under the guise of preventing another genocide. The government displays a marked intolerance of the most basic forms of dissent. Laws against inciting insurrection or trouble among the population has been used to imprison people for the legitimate exercise of their rights of freedom of association or of expression. This is what I was talking about earlier. You and I were talking about earlier when we were kind of saying like, who knows how long it is yeah. until the United States is using language like this in laws to start imprisoning people that are just exercising their freedom of expression. Mm hmm. Certainly they've had a a very extensive past with the genocide issues and some of right. these that you're naming. Interestingly, it is bordered by the Congo, which was the lowest. You're right. So just go to show like in Africa, the region to region or country to country, how different that can be, even though they're in close proximity to each other. Right. That's so, so interesting. And Africa, Africa's a really interesting, unique, huge place with so much difference between mm -hmm. these countries. That's one thing that I've said before about like North America. There's only three countries mm -hmm. in North America, yeah. really. And if you're in the United States, it's so large. Like what I'm trying to say is other places like in Europe and Africa, you can drive just a few hours and you're in a completely different culture and place sure. and country and language. We lack a little bit, or we miss out on some of that diversity in most of the U.S., although places like New York and L.A., there's more of that, especially than where I am. But yeah. you get my point. Yeah, definitely. I think we're comparable to the size of Australia, but even like somewhere like that, all the population lives on the coastal areas. Right. And the population is something like that similar to 
L.A. County or something spread out among the whole country that's the size of the U.S. If you go into the middle of Australia, there's no one there. Right. Or very little. It's it's fascinating. And Canada's the same way Mm -hmm. where most of the population is along the southern border. I was talking to Brad from the Doomsday podcast a few episodes ago, and he mentioned, Mm -hmm. I think he just rattled this off, so who knows if it's accurate, knowing Brad, but he said like 90% of the entire country's population is along the U.S. border. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, which is just because Canada's huge. It's the, I think, the second largest country by land in the entire world, and it's so empty. Well, they would be frozen all the time if they were up there. Yeah. Well, I said it there. Why are you living there, people? There's other places to live in the world that aren't fucking miserable at all times of the... <laughs> However, Canada's looking more and more attractive these days. Uh, but... Oh, I'm fully looking at psychologists' jobs in New Zealand right now, so... <laughs> exactly. I, yes. I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> ready to go. If you like weird and strange history as much as I do, then I have the podcast for you. I'm Jason Horton, host of Strange Year. Each episode, I break down the strange history and cultural happenings during that year, like 1977, the Wow Signal, 1963, Three Tramps Theory, 1844, the Millerite Movement, 1997, the Phoenix Lights, 1896, the Shortest War, 2004, Benjamin Kyle, 1518, the Dancing Plague, 1985, the Move Bombing, 1972, Remote Viewing. So to get your weekly weird history fix, pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to strange year wherever you listen to podcasts all right so we got the number one well speaking of ready to go number one tell me you know it come on i imagine the united states would top like every list about incarceration and you imagine correctly no matter how you break it down the numbers i have some very insightful enlightening but disturbing facts about the u.s prison system for you Let's hear them. The United States is number one. It is by far the most incarcerated country in the world. There are 2.1 million prisoners in the U.S. prison system right now, which is 629 people for every 100,000 citizens. And to put that in perspective, if you were to combine all the prisoners from the rest of the top nine after U.S., you still wouldn't have the number of prisoners that you have in the United States alone. Yeah, just look at a bar graph, any bar graph on rates of incarceration, and it's just like the page isn't even long enough for the United States. Interestingly, though, the percentage of the prison population that is male is 90%, relatively low. I mean, you know what I mean? Relatively low compared to the others on this list. (laughs) And the United States alone, listen to this, just the U.S. holds more than 25% of the world's total prison population. One mm-hmm. in four prisoners in the world are imprisoned in the U.S. That's insane. Now, Dr. Shiloh, if you were to guess some of the top states in America that have the highest rates of incarceration, what would you guess? Um, Texas. Yeah. Maybe Arizona? Not in the top few. The, the top the few top I have few. are Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Texas. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Louisiana, huh? Shout out to Oklahoma. Yes. The U.S. is almost at max capacity for prison occupation. If you were to take every prison cell in the U.S., there's room for 2.16 million prisoners as of 2019. Sure. Some other interesting things are about 0.2% are juveniles. That's lower than I would have thought. Well, so the juvenile system, at least here in the United States, is really structured for rehabilitation. Like that is the idea is that as horrific as some juvie facilities sound that I've heard of and stories that come Mm -hmm. out of there, the system overall, like the criminal justice system is really designed for rehabilitation and to get them in and to get them some help and treatment and resources, depending on what it is, and then get them back out into society. So we do have a lot of laws on the books that fortunately, we're not just treating kids like short adults. Yeah, There are some areas of the law that tend to not catch up as quickly where we do still treat them like that. But yeah, there's a little bit more leniency in the right ways for children who are in the criminal justice system. Right. There's still like, uh, let's see, there's 2 million prisoners total in the country. 0.2% are juveniles. So I guess that's good news in some ways that juveniles are filtering through there in a rehabilitation process as opposed to sitting in there rotting. Yeah. But crime has been up in the last few years for juveniles. It's all those video games. I know. The one area we've really seen it spike is with female adolescents. Hmm. So their crime rates have been going up. We're also seeing 
mental health issues go up with female adolescents and higher rates of anxiety and depression. With boys, traditionally, that would manifest as acting out. And like you and I talked about the rates of like why men commit more crimes. But now we're seeing it with girls where they're starting to do more acting out of crimes against people and violent crimes. So, you know, we're always behind. We don't know why it is until, you know, several years have gone by and we can study that. That's what I was going to ask is like, is there any theories out there right now about why now? You know, it was happening before the pandemic. So the pandemic has also taken its own toll on adolescents, mostly in the realm of depression and suicidal ideation. So since that predated the pandemic, I'm not sure if the research was there as to why, but I think it's just kind of a whole new ballgame now, you know, layering on top the pandemic and the issues there. Is it possible that it's because we as a nation have turned away from God during the last few years and now we're all... I would highly, highly suspect that yes. You do? Okay. (laughs) That's what my grandma says on Facebook, so I thought... I I mean, we're, yeah, we're going to be punished somehow, so... Well, speaking of punished, as of 2016, so this is a little outdated, but it's the most recent I could find. Of the millions of people in jail, 200,000 of them, or 16%, were serving time for drug offenses. 700,000 were incarcerated for violent offenses. So there's actually more violent offenders in prison than drug offenses, according to this. Despite only accounting for about 13% of the total U.S. population, black Americans are 40% of the total prison population. Yep. And when you look at black males in particular, the numbers are astronomical. There are more black male prisoners than any other minority group in mm-hmm. the U.S. prisons. Overall, the incarceration rate in the U.S. has skyrocketed the past decade. The total prison population was a mere 200,000 in 1972, less than a tenth of today's total. Wow. So we've increased tenfold in the last, what is that, 40 years, 50 years? The U.S. Department of Education noted in 2016 that the spending in corrections across the country increased at a rate three times the spending increases for education. Awesome. (laughs) There's some fucking cruel irony there. Weird. Huh. Ah, God. Right? I know. I'm trying to decide if I want to go on rants right now or let it go. But yes, just like... (laughs) The amount of emphasis and effort and money we put into things like corrections and military and that sort of thing, and the total lack and scratching and clawing for resources we must do to get even the most basic educational needs met is uh, depressing as hell. It's like, no wonder this is going to be an endless cycle. How do we anticipate this getting better? Yeah. It's just... Well, and it's like Republicans, anytime there's a mass shooting, they want to shout about mental health. And sure, we can all agree mental health is an issue. But then they cut funding for mental health and mental education, education in general. Like all these systemic issues, we can scream about them all we want. But until we stop giving thoughts and prayers and start doing real things to advance this stuff, then yeah. we need to find other ways to minimize violent crimes. But And we have the data. We know exactly what to do prevention and intervention-wise for mass shootings and school shootings. And... July 6th, LA Not So Confidential will be doing our 100th episode on what we know about school shooters. So you can listen to that and we'll lay it all out for you. I cannot wait for that. And by the time listeners are listening to us now, that July 6th episode will already be out. So please go check that out. But on that depressing note, but also optimistic note from your side, we have finished the top 10 highest incarcerated countries in the world. Number 10 was Thailand. Number nine is Palau. Palau. Number eight is Panama. Number seven is the British Virgin Islands. Number six is Cuba. Number five is American Samoa. Number four is El Salvador. Number three is Turkmenistan. Number two is Rwanda. And number one by far is God's country, the United States of America. God bless America. We are really killing it with locking people up. And boy, are we killing it. Yes. (laughs) In more ways than one. Literally and figuratively, yes. Yes. We are killing it. Yeah. So scratch all those places off your uh, bucket list, people, because it sounds like their prisons are not too fancy and you don't want to be locked up there. And something else that came out of this research for today is almost all of the top 10 were developing countries. Mm -hmm. The United States really stands out like a sore thumb. 
our tagline, our slogan is land of the free. Yeah. What? <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Wow. Home that's of the brave super... too. We're brave enough to lock these no good doers up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, super depressing. We shit all over our country today, but. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. I'm glad I could get the perspective of someone who's actually has some experience in this world because I have none. So thank you for that. Even though you didn't, I mean, you didn't do great on the guessing, but. I did not. I know. I know. I hope I brought a little color with the commentary about like people who've been to prison. <laughs> we'll have to check the tape. I'm not sure. Okay. Pikachu, Eevee, Togepi. Oh my. Which adorable Pokemon is the most adorable of them all? Wonder no more, friend, because my friend, Alex Johns, he joined me to guess the top 10 most adorable Pokemon ever based on an online poll of Pokemon lovers. Join Alex in guessing the list now on this new bonus episode available only to our most adorable listeners. Yes, our Tennis Pod Plus members. And by the way, you do not need to be a Pokemon fan to enjoy this episode because I'm going to share a link to a pic of every Pokemon and I will also describe in great detail the insufferable cuteness of each Pokemon. You can listen to this bonus episode right now at tennispod.com plus or if you're an Apple Podcast listener, just tap the subscribe button at the top of our Apple page. When you subscribe, you'll also get more than 40 other exclusive bonus episodes available only to Tennis Pod Plus members with new episodes added every month. And the best part is you'll also get ad-free access to all of our main weekly episodes like this one that you're listening to now. So yeah, you won't have to hear me shill shit like this anymore. You can easily sign up. It takes literally just minutes at TennisPod.com slash P-L-U-S or on the Apple Podcast app. Take a break from your jail cell for a minute to go outside and get your one hour of daylight because it's time for the sweet, sunny bliss of our podcast reviews. Every week I read reviews from listeners just like you, and I'm going to start this week with one from Nikolai at Night on Apple Podcasts. Nikolai at Night says, Tennis Podcast is really funny and educational. I particularly enjoyed the episode they made about Colts and their Canadian guest, Josh. They really do their research and make difficult topics like these enjoyable to listen to. Highly recommended. Of course, Josh and I talked Colts on episode 175, and despite him being very Canadian, I think he did a pretty decent job. Surprising, I know. But hope to have him back on again soon. And speaking of that Colt episode, someone else on Good Pods left a review in referencing that episode. They said, and this is from Zolgar, Zolgar on Good Pods says, This episode made me want to start a cult because it's a great way to make money and get laid. Oh, Zolgar, I have so many questions for you. So many comments, too. So many concerns. If you're out there listening and you're considering the business of cults, it can be very lucrative, you can get laid, but it usually doesn't end well. Just listen to that cult episode and you'll see for yourself. If you want to join a cult, join our cult. We're here for you. And, you know, cults are a good way to make money and get laid. They're also a way to get stinky. They don't bathe much, it seems like. Anyway, you should bathe, but you should also write a review. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Podchaser, or go to Good Pods. Rate us five stars, write a sweet little review, and I'll read it on a future episode. But now let's get back downtown to the Slammer and finish our episode with Dr. Shiloh. Dr. Shiloh, I don't want to end this without you having another chance to plug any other episodes coming up or make sure people know how to find your show. Sure. So again, we're called LA Not So Confidential. Uh, we just started in June putting out four episodes a month. So previously, we were just doing two forensic psychology episodes a month. Now we still have those two forensic psych episodes. But as Nick mentioned, we now do a vintage crime case. So usually we go back. 100 years or so and talk about some really weird and strange yeah. <laughs> and creepy crimes that happened. And it's nice because we get to do more of the historical research on it and we can offer more conjecture because everybody's dead and it's not like we're doing psychoanalysis of people who are still alive. And then we're also doing a episode every month of a documentary review which we always have listeners writing in saying, hey, what do you think about this true crime documentary? And previous to that, we've been like, well, that's not what we do. So 
here we are. We do it now. Yes. And our very first episode was on The Phantom, which was the number one true crime documentary of 2021 on the list I that know. Nick and I covered. <laughs> I was so excited to see that. Yeah. The last time Dr. Shiloh was on Tennis Podcast, we talked about The Phantom. Neither of us had seen it, that, seen it at that point, but now Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott have done a review of it. Have you watched it yet? No. It's quick. So I have your episode queued up, like ready for when I do watch it, but yeah, I'm behind, but I, I'm going to. Yeah, you should. It's a quick like 90 minute doc, so it's perfect. But yeah, we're going to be taking a look at other true crime documentaries as well and just kind of reviewing them. And if there's a psychological component we can kind of talk about in there, we do that as well. But we're anywhere you get your audio. Aside from that, we do one live stream every month, which Nick and Brandon have been a guest on before, and hopefully we can have you guys back. We'll have to think up something to do maybe in the fall. Yeah, let me know. And then eventually we get that up on YouTube. So there's plenty on our YouTube channel to go check out, including guys from Tennis. Yeah, that's right. And that YouTube video uh, is live on our YouTube as well. It's the top 10 smartest serial killers. So you can do a search for that. But I'm not just saying this because Dr. Shiloh's here, but sincerely, one of my favorite true crime pods. I've listened to almost every episode. Yeah. See, you didn't even know I got arrested. So I know you haven't listened to that one. (laughs) I probably did listen to it and just forgot. But Well, you know what I also learned on your latest episode with Dr. Buster is that he's also a mental health professional. Yeah. So you had another guest that was also a mental health professional. Is this a cry for help? Is that why you're surrounding yourself with uh, us? I'd like to surround myself by people in this field that I can then kind of bully around during the episodes. And it makes me feel better about my own struggling mental health. Your insecurities, your inadequacies, (laughs) it's making us feel that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe someday we'll get you, me and Dr. Buster in the same recording session. That would be a blast. Be fun. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, yeah, I will put a link to Dr. Shiloh's show in the show notes. Check it out. Dr. Shiloh, it has been a blast. Hope to have you on again soon. And let's do that good vocal sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Nick. And to the listeners, thank you so much. I'll be back next week with uh, Dr. Buster, in fact. We'll be back next week. I'll be bringing him a list of guests. So don't miss that. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.